Welcome to the Authentic Faith Podcast. Today is Tuesday teaching, and we're going to explore what the scriptures say about gifts and fruit. What are they? Is there a difference? What is the difference? And why does it even matter? But before we do, I'd like to wish my husband a very happy birthday. It's his birthday today and not, I mean, he definitely deserves all the gifts in the world, but the reality in my life, he's like the gift that keeps on giving. God gifted me with him and he definitely makes me a better person. And I mean that in every sense of the word. A lot of times in all of our circles, I tend to be the face of our ministry and everything that we do. But make no mistake that he is as much a part of this as I am. I have learned so much from him and a lot of the content that I bring to you would not even be possible if it wasn't for him in my life. So Mike, happy birthday. Today, we have some props. Um, so I have a little tree that I'm gonna use. I have a little gift box and I have a diamond. So check this diamond out, it's super cool. I love it, love it, look how huge. So I'm gonna explain what all of these mean. Um, Authentic Faith Podcast isn't new, but to some of you it is because I didn't really formally like launch it. So we are now formally launched and every Tuesday we have Tuesday teaching where I bring a teaching and we dive into scriptures. And then on Sundays we have my story where we highlight stories of real people like you and me so that we can be inspired and have hope. One last thing before we dive into the teaching is I'd love to announce that the, re the pre-sale to my book will launch on November 5th. So on November 5th, we will have, you will have the ability to pre-purchase the book and the full launch is going to be, I think it's December 13th. So just keep a lookout for that. We'll definitely be posting about it and I'll share it with you so that you know. Some of the content that we cover in Authentic Faith comes from the book. Obviously, within these videos, I dive a lot deeper than I do into the book. Um, but the book has some stuff that you're not going to find in this video. Um, and it's also helpful to have the book in front of you. So I'm super excited and I hope that you can support me and buy my book, share about it. Um, so look for details on that. So now let's get on with today's journey. We are going to explore the scriptures and that's what my book is all about. We go and we explore and we discover and we experience the scriptures. More specifically, the book is designed to ex uh, expose you to God as love so that you can explore that, discover and experience it intimately in detail. And what we're covering in this video today comes from there, but it kind of takes us a little bit down a different path where we're going to explore fruits and gifts, but ultimately kind of all ties together. And you're going to see how that works. It's very important that we explore scripture. Scripture is not something that 
that can just be read to us or that we can just read. It's something that we need to explore because when we do, we will always find treasure. And it is those treasures that lead us to experience. When we find treasure, when we find gold, when we find diamonds, whatever it is a treasure is, we don't just take it and put it in a closet and leave it there. We put it on display, we use it, we share it, we, we spend it, we do something with it. And that's what the scriptures are. We need to dive in and explore because there's so much richness and treasure and gold in it. So today we're going to start off in John 15. In my book, I share about an experience I had where God encountered me in my kitchen. And following that experience, God taught me how to study the scriptures. One of the things that I learned is that the titles, chapters, and verse numbers that are in the scriptures were causing me to not see the fullness of the heart and message of God within the scriptures or even the intent of the author. So I started to read the book of John and ignored the chapter and verse numbers and ignored the titles. I just read straight through it. And when I got to John 13, that is where words were bouncing off the page, you know, verses were highlighted. And I noticed things that I hadn't noticed my entire life. And I grew up in the church and I knew the book of John. I attended seminary and thousands of services and Sunday school and classes and conferences. But for some reason, I never got the revelation of John 15, uh, 13 through 17. These are all red letters. They are what the theologians call Jesus's farewell discourse. So we're going to go and dive deep and explore John 15. So why don't you join me on this journey as we explore, and I'm going to walk you through what he's taught me. Today, I'm going to read out of the New American Standard Bible, NASB. And the reason I'm doing that is because it is the version that I believe and I have found and most have said, along with ESV is also a good study version. It, it's, um, you know, it's, its translation is pretty spot on in terms of the words that it uses and the verb tenses in NASB are super accurate and verb tenses matter because sometimes there's a word in past tense and it will change the whole context to that verse or to that passage so maybe on one of our journeys we'll talk about that today it's not really relevant but i'm just sharing you that little bible study tip so we're going to start off in john 15 one and obviously jesus is speaking because he's already started his farewell discourse i see this farewell discourse as he has his 12 disciples with him and this is his final teaching before he knows that he's going to go off and be killed and he wants to leave his disciples with these final and parting words these are the lessons that jesus thought i need to make sure that these leaders that are going off into the church know this stuff and jesus said again john 15 1 i am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit he prunes it so that it may bear fruit you are already clean because of the word which i have spoken to you 
Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He abides in me, and I in him. He bears much fruit for he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them up and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Just one little note here in that verse. When it says that he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned, Jesus is not saying that God does that. People do that. Okay, because there's no use for a dried up branch. Verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that one laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father. I have made, made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the father in my name, he may give you this. I command you that you love one another. There's a few things when studying the scripture that we need to keep in mind. We need to keep in mind who the author is and who they were speaking to, right? In this case, the author is not Jesus, it's John. But John is quoting Jesus and sharing with us what Jesus was saying. So in this case, the author, the writer, the speaker is Jesus and the audience is his disciples. So we have to remember when we read this, that Jesus was talking to the disciples. This was not written to be put in scriptures. At that time, they did not know that scriptures was, it was gonna be put in scripture, okay? The way that we have it today. So we have to keep in mind that context. It's not to say that it's not relevant to us or it does not apply to us, but we need to accurately divide the word and understand it and use it to make sure that we're not misusing the word nor using the Lord's name in vain. So what I want to point out here is a few things. I want to point out that, um, in this passage, Jesus is talking about the vine and the vine dresser and being in him and what a healthy plant looks like. And this is why we have this tree as our example. Okay. Now, when he's talking about this, he also brings up fruit and he says, you are to bear fruit and this is how you bear fruit. And then he comes in and he starts telling us that he leaves us a new commandment and that commandment is to love one another. Who is Jesus talking to? He was talking to his disciples. He's telling them, I need you to love one another as I have loved you. And Jesus loved them 
perfectly and well, right? So if you look at the way the Bible's divided and you look at the titles and the chapters and the verses, it separates the part of the vine with the part where Jesus starts talking about love. And when people teach on it or they preach on it or we read the Bible, we split up those concepts. But in that moment, Jesus didn't split up those ideas and say, hey, okay, I'm done with this topic. Now let's move on to the next. This was actually a flowing discourse, a flowing teaching. So he's saying that we need to bear fruit and then following it up with, you need to love one another. This is the new commandment. Love comes in. And for you to bear fruit, you must have love. And if you want to be known as a disciple, you must have fruit. And in John 13, 35, Jesus says, you will be known as my disciples by your love for one another. So we see here that being a disciple of Jesus is identified by our love, by our fruit. So that's something that I want us to hold on to because we're going to touch on that. And then he says, um, you know, he, he's, he mentions how those who love Jesus will follow his commandments. And I talk about this in my book because the, the word obey and commandments has a very negative connotation when it comes to our culture. And it seems almost forced. You must do this for me to love you. And you must do this if you love me. But that's not the heart behind what Jesus was saying. He's talking in the context of one who loves. When you love someone, you're going to do what they enjoy. You're going to eat the things they like to eat. You're going to go to the places that they like to go to, not out of obligation, but because you want to please them. You get to do it because you love them and you want to see them happy. That is the context that Jesus is talking to here. And the, the, the reason I'm saying that and the, re, and the way that I can show that in scripture is verse 15 where he says, I don't call you a slave anymore. A slave doesn't know what his master is doing. I call you friends because I have told you and shown you everything the father has told me. That's beautiful. It shows a relationship beyond a master and a slave. God has called you friend. You are a child of God. You are the bride of Christ. You are so much more than just one who obeys. You are one who loves. Well, then it goes to what does that mean, right? Well, when we go to Galatians 5, we can see what that means. I think it's beautiful when the scriptures actually define things for us. And this is another thing I cover in my book in detail. Because we often define words and we go to dictionary.com or we go to Webster's Dictionary and we look it up. And in a few short words, we try to define a word. But sometimes it's not just black and white. And that's what love is. Love is not just black and white. And sometimes fruit isn't black and white. But what's beautiful is that both those terms are defined to us in the scriptures. We don't even need to go to dictionary.com or Webster's Dictionary or somewhere else. We can look right in the scriptures and see what fruit is and what love is. And what I want to do next is let's explore fruit and what fruit is. And that we're going to find in Galatians 5. And it starts at 22. But I want us to go a little bit before because before it, 
it um, we are given examples of what it looks like when someone does not live with good fruit when someone is not in the vine and producing the fruit that comes from love and it, uh, so Galatians 5 19 it says now the deeds of the flesh are evident which are immorality impurity sensuality idolatry sorcery enmities strife jealousy outbursts of anger disputes dissensions factions envying drunkenness carousing and things like these of which i forewarn you just as i forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of god so let's just look at these because i want you to kind of see that some of them tie together and you get a glimpse into the heart of god uh, in terms of what he really doesn't like and what just is not of him. If you go into the book of Proverbs, there is a list of things that God does not like that God hates. And there's one that's like an abomination to him, and that's divisiveness. And when we look here at these acts, it starts off with, in this version it says immorality, but when you look at the original term, it's the word that comes from the word uh, pornea, I think it is, and it's where the word pornography comes from. So it's not just talking about immorality, although I think that, you know, there are immoral aspects that we have that aren't tied to sex, sex but in this term, it's set immorality, impurity, sensuality, okay? So giving our bodies away in a careless manner where we're not honoring our bodies and treating our bodies like the temples that they are. It's something that comes from the flesh. It's not of God. That's not how God designed it. Then we have idolatry, which is when you put something before God, when you're honoring something and you're giving something more importance than it deserves. Sorcery, which is witchcraft. You can also use the word manipulation and control there. Enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. Do you see the, um, the, uh, geez, what's the word I'm looking for? The commonality, the similarities there. Enmity is when you're, you hate someone, you're constantly coming at them, you're picking on them. It's like bullying, right? Strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, division. That's the one thing that God abhors. He hates divisiveness. Those are things that we need to look at. Envying, drunkenness, okay? It's, those are things that, Con conflict and don't produce good healthy fruit what comes out of those types of behaviors doesn't look as healthy as this it's not something that's healthy okay but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such things there is no law now those who belong to christ jesus have been crucified, past tense, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit, meaning let's also have our actions match the fact that we walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another and envying one another. So you see that the fruit of the Spirit has a lot to do with our behaviors and what comes out towards 
others, right? In essence, if we really wanted to summarize all this, and if you look in the Passion Translation, it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, and it's expressed in different ways. It's expressed with joy, with peace, with patience, with kindness, etc. Okay, so when we look at fruit of the Spirit, look at yourself as, I mean, we can use this example in many different ways. So for the purposes of this, we can look at this as a tree and the tree is going to produce fruit and the fruit is love because a tree can only produce what's in the root. Okay, so science has already proven that every person is wired for love. Okay, you have that's how you were created. And anything that opposes love creates a conflict within our being. So this tree represents your being. Okay. This is the tree and it's a healthy tree. It's the way God designed it to be. And there's different fruits that come out of it and they should all be manifestations of love. And sometimes it looks like joy. Sometimes it looks like peace. Sometimes it looks like patience, kindness, self-control, etc. Now down at the bottom, our roots, right? And depending on how healthy our roots are, it manifests on the top of the tree. So our root, I want you to picture a diamond because you are a diamond. You are beautiful. You are pure. You are tough. And you, ref you were created to reflect everything about God. Okay. God is love. You are love. That's your root. You're a diamond. Um, God is holy. You are holy. That's how you were created. Uh, you are created to forgive. You are created to reconcile, to bring restoration, to bring wholeness. That's who you are. God is a father and he guides and he protects and he teaches. You were created to parent, to nurture, to help others grow. You are a diamond. Okay. Now, sometimes the diamond gets damaged. Life comes in and or we indulge too much in things that aren't good this is where we see some of the things that we noticed in the list starting at galatians 19. and then it produces a fruit so out comes out a branch that's dead okay it's a fruit that's no good it's withered it's fungus it's like a mushroom ew it's nasty the diamond is still there on the root the diamond hasn't gone away it's just now a little damaged and that ding or that hole that was caused by a conflict in life got filled with nastiness and it now grew out something that doesn't match the diamond. Okay. It's not love. It's not joy. It's not peace. This little, this little piece of fruit here. Okay. It's like a little, let me show you here, give you the visual. Okay. Hold on this way. So this little fruit here, let's say it's, it's no good. Okay. It doesn't mean that the whole tree is bad and it doesn't mean that the root isn't still a diamond. You were still created in the image of God. This will always be there. The question is, what's the state of this diamond? It may have been hurt and we need to heal it, right? So what we want is what it says in the fruit. Fruit, we want love, we want joy, we want peace, we want patience. So when a fruit doesn't match, our goal is to say, you know what? My actions, my behaviors, my cycles, my situations are not matching fruit. It's not matching how God designed me. So I need to take a look at that, figure out why, 
realize, oh, I have a ding or I have a hole and some fungus has grown on it. I need to clean it. And this is the beauty of God because the Holy Spirit will help you. If you go in, um, let's, let me just go back and tell you, John, if we go back to John, you'll be able to see earlier before the passage today in 14, Jesus talks about the role of the Holy Spirit before he talks about the vine. And that's the role of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to help you fix up those dings. It's going to clean it out, get out all the nastiness. He's going to help you fill it. And he fills it with gold, like the Japanese art. And I'll share a picture in the comments later on um, so that you can get an idea of what I'm talking about. And I'm not going to dive into that um, in detail because I want to make sure we get into the gifts. But this is who you are. This is at your root. What comes out, okay, is a sign of what's going on down here. If there's a little bit of damage to this diamond, it's gonna reflect in the fruit and the fruit's gonna tell you, alert, alert, there's something wrong. There's a conflict between what you're doing and who you are, who you were created to be. There's a little distortion in God's design and it's an alert so you can go and fix it. And Holy Spirit's gonna help you do that, okay? It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Always remember, this is who you are at the core and then this, is going to show you are you accomplishing it or does something need to improve okay so this is fruit we're going to come back to this now what i want to do is i want to talk about gifts god has given us gifts holy spirit has given us gifts jesus has given us gifts okay when he gives us a gift we take it and we receive it it's nothing that we do nothing we do impacts what's in here and what we do with it and and what's in here and the fact that we have it okay as opposed to the tree the tree we have been given a seed an incorruptible seed we see that in let me give you the verse first peter 123 we see that we've been given an incorruptible seed it's a seed that cannot be damaged how the seed grows what comes out of it right in terms of what's planted is on us it's our what we do, what we think on, how we live, what, you know, what we're thinking on all the time, where we're spending our time, who we worship, what we worship, and all of that, right? It's on us. Gifts is given. It's not on you. You can't change the fact that you've been given a gift, that you were born with a gift. It's not of you. Okay? You can't take it away from yourself. You can turn it off if you want. You can choose whether you open up the gift or not. But it's not up to you. Okay, So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13. Let me look at my time. Okay, I'm going to speed up a little bit here. 1 Corinthians 12, actually. Okay, So again, in 1 Corinthians... 1 Corinthians 13. It's beautiful because it defines something for us. But before we get there, let's go to what Paul says about spiritual gifts. So in uh, starting in 1 John 12, and you can read before because there is a full thought of context. So I encourage you to dive like go before, go after all these verses. 
Paul is talking about spiritual gifts and how you have a spiritual gift and I have a spiritual gift and everyone has one and how it works as a body and we come to, together as a body as a whole. And he talks about the different spiritual gifts starting at verse 8. And he talks about, uh, for to one is given the words of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith, to another gifts of healing, another miracles, another prophecy, another discernment. Here it says distinguishing of spirits, another various tongues another interpretation of tongues and he's, he goes on to say how it all comes from the same spirit it's all one spirit and we're all one body and it's to be used for one another and then in verse um and then he and he goes on to say and he says not everyone has all these gifts but when we come together right there's a wholeness there's a uh, there's a, com a, a completeness that happens and in in Verse 31 of chapter 12, Paul says, again, this is the problem with when we divide up what we're reading with the numbers and the titles, because there's a flow to what's happening. So he's talking about these gifts and he says, and I want to show you a still more excellent way. Paul is saying, I've just told you about these gifts and they're super awesome, right? And they complete the body and they're amazing. But outside of these gifts, I want to show you a more excellent way. There's something more excellent than these gifts, something more extraordinary than healings and miracles and all of this stuff. And he goes on and he says, if I speak with tongues of man and of angels, but do not love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. This is beautiful because now we're getting a definition of love. What love really looks like. This is where God defines love for us. And I don't even think this has a full breath of love, but it paints a picture of what love is. Because you can substitute love for God. So God is patient. God is kind. And you can also substitute yourself. So here I could put Andrea's patient. Andrea's kind. Maybe these are not things that you are or I am right now, but this is the diamond. This is how God created us to be, and this is our aim, right? So let's read it. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag, and it's not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Does not take into account wrong suffered does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child, when I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love abide 
abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. What's beautiful here is that in verse 8, it says, Love never fails, but there are gifts of prophecy they will be done away with. Prophecy one day will end. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. For we know in part and we prophesy in part because all these things are passing and fleeting, right? Those are my added words. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. And I propose that this perfect, this wholeness, this completeness, if you look at the word perfect and its, uh, its original word and what it really means is wholeness, completeness. I propose that this word perfect is referring to love. When love comes, the partial will be done away with because now the, the partiality, the, the, you know, prophecy is not complete. Knowledge is not complete. Uh, tongues is not complete. But when we bring the perfect into it, when we bring love into it, it now becomes whole and it becomes complete because God is fully expressed because God is love. So we see here that gifts, they're super cool. I walk in gifts. I've seen miracles. I've seen healings, speak in tongues. I believe in all of that. And I believe that it belongs in the life of a believer. However, it does not define or demonstrate whether we are disciples. A life of a believer, what follows the life of a believer? Healings, miracles, signs, wonders, casting out demons, etc., but the life of a, di a disciple is one who loves and bears fruit. And we see that Jesus said that in John 13 and John 15. In John 13, he tells us that we will be known as a disciple by our love. In John 15, he tells us that we will be known as disciples by our fruit. And in 1 John, we read that we are known as children of God by our love for one another. This is the fruit that we have. This is what defines us and shows us fruit. The gifts are given to us. God gives us all gifts. It's for the body. It's for growth. It's to make us whole. It's to make us complete. It's to make us perfect, right, as we use. But really that word perfect does not mean unflawed. It means whole and complete. And the gifts are to bring that. And Jesus gives us gifts, okay? You don't get to say, what's the gift? God gives you the gift. You don't get to choose what it is. It is a gift. You get to choose whether you open it. You get to choose whether you use it. But you do not get to choose what it is. Some people, because they believe, they receive a gift. They open the gift. They take the gift. They use the gift. This does not mean that they have fruit in their lives. This does not mean that they are disciples of Jesus Christ. This means that they believe. This means that they receive the gift, open the gift, took the gift, use the gift. This does not mean that their tree is healthy. Okay? There are some people who have healthy trees and they have gifts that are sitting closed in a cupboard, in a dark place. And what I want to share with you today is if you have a healthy tree because you're bearing fruit, I encourage you to go looking to make sure that you don't have gifts that God gave you that's being kept, a talent that's 
dug underground waiting for God to come and take it and use it for you. No, these gifts, God is not going to use them for you. He's given it to you. You need to open it. Number one, it's like his love. God loves you. That's indisputable. I think everyone can agree with that. The question is, have you received it, accepted it, opened it, taken it, acknowledged it, and used it? Have you received it? Have you embraced it? Do you believe it? Okay. So if you have a good, good fruit, I want you to explore the gifts. Okay. The Holy Spirit. Ask Holy Spirit, what gifts do I have? Do I have untapped gifts? Do I have gifts I put away in a cupboard because I didn't realize I have them or I've been told I don't? Okay, just to explore. And then I want you to take the gift and I want you to open it and I want you to use it. And you may not know how to use it at first, but ask God and he'll teach you. And a lot of times you're going to learn in this word how to use his amazing gifts and Holy Spirit will guide you. Now, Let's say you have amazing gifts, but your life is looking a lot like Galatians 5, what is it, 19, and there's a lot of anger, and there's a lot of dissension, and there's a lot of drunkenness or addiction, or there's a lot of unhealthy sexual behavior and thoughts, right? What I want you to explore is, number one, I want you to realize that you are a diamond, okay? This doesn't change ever. There may be some things broken, but a broken bowl is what? It's still a bowl. It may be broken, but it's a bowl and you could put it back together. So what I want you to focus on, maybe you have the gifts because you believe. You go out, you heal the sick, you evangelize, you can preach, you can teach, you can do all these things. Amazing, right? But now you need to focus on, you want to look like this. You want people, you don't want to have to live fake. You don't want to have to live pretending that your tree looks like this and using your gifts to mask the ugly branches and the dead branches, okay? Let God prune you and let God heal the chipped and places in your diamond so that your tree can be healthy and then your tree and your gift can work together and complement each other. This is power. This is authority. This is wholeness. Fruit and gifts are not in opposition. Fruit and gifts I can't say that one is better than the other. I will say, however, that gift without fruit, without good fruit, is going to bring some degree of death and frustration and anxiety. And people eat. You have to realize that when you have fruit coming out of your life, okay, it can rot and people are eating that fruit. Okay, it's like kind of a weird analogy, but it's true. People are eating their fruit. You don't want people, nobody wants people to eat bad fruit off their tree. Okay, everyone wants good fruit. And that's why I'm teaching this. Because I want you to realize that you may have a branch that's dead, or you may have a branch that's giving off dead fruit. Okay, let's prune like John 15, 
Let God prune that dead branch. Let God heal whatever is broken in the root system, your diamond, so that now out of that comes a new branch that will produce good fruit. And then no one's eating bad fruit off your tree, okay? The gifts are awesome because I actually believe the gifts enhance the fruit. But they need each other, they complement each other. If I were to, if someone were to ask me what to focus on more, I would say fruit because again, what does Paul say? Love is the more excellent way. Okay, so if your if your love is not here, okay, because at the core we are love just like God. If if it's not founded in love, it's noisy, no one wants it, it's not complete, and it can be better. So that's what we want, right? We want to be better. So um, that's our aim. So if I if you were to ask me what to focus on, I would say focus on the fruit, keep on believing and continue to use your gifts while you work on the fruit. If you don't know what your gifts are and your fruit's not looking too good and you're like, what do I focus on? Focus on the fruit because I'm telling you that when you focus on the fruit, it'll naturally lead you to faith that will help you discover the gifts that God gave you. So that's it for our teaching today. I'm hoping that you found it helpful. If you're listening to the podcast on uh, the podcast apps where you're just listening, um, you can find the video uh, to this on my YouTube channel. You can go to andreajohn.com and you'll be able to find a link uh, to my YouTube so that you can watch the video if you want to see the demonstration and what I was talking about with the tree and the diamond and all that. If you're a visual person, that may help. Um, so. I hope that this teaching helped you. I look forward to our next uh, Tuesday teaching, and I will see you on Sunday for Sunday Story. Um, our guest on Sunday is going to be Tammy J. Hernandez, and she is going. she's the author of Soul Beliefs, and she's gonna walk us through some stories in her life where she was able to see the red thread of love in her life, um, even during some dark times and, and some hurting places. So I invite you to join us Sunday at 7 p.m. on YouTube, Facebook, and, and um, all the podcast apps. So until then, talk to you soon. Bye.